India. The second most populated nation on Earth. Nearly 1.4 billion people. 22 official languages. About 400 spoken in all. Known for spices, Bollywood, temples, yoga, and the Taj Mahal. Culturally and geographically beautiful and diverse, India also faces a few very real challenges. Like poverty, extreme poverty that leaves so many women and children vulnerable to those who would take advantage of them, human traffickers, evildoers who exploit them and their bodies. So today on The Edge of Adventure, I've asked Ruchira Gupta to join us. She's the founder and president of an organization in India called Apne Ap, where she and her team are dedicated to rescuing these women and children, helping them start new lives, preventing others from falling victim, always pushing to end this terrible practice, always fighting for their freedom. Apne Ap, today on The Edge of Adventure. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. Always great to have you with us and always great to have the opportunity to introduce you to wonderful people working around the world, people who live lives of adventure and purpose, working hard, giving of themselves, of their time and their resources to make the world a better place, to serve other people. And in the case of today, we're going to be traveling to India. Apne Ap is the name of the organization. And my guest today is Ruchira Gupta. First of all, Ruchira, thanks for joining the program. Thank you, Adam, for having me, and namaste to everyone listening to this podcast. It's wonderful to have you on the show, and knowing what an important organization Apne Ap is, you all are working to prevent and help end sex trafficking and to help free victims of this terrible trade. And I know that you all focus on India and the situation there. So start by telling us, the sex trafficking problem in India, how bad is it? India is one of the world's epicenters for human trafficking. And inside human trafficking, 70% uh, of those who are trafficked are trafficked for sexual exploitation. So you can imagine the scale of what I'm talking about. According to the government's own estimates, 3 million women and children are trapped in prostitution at any given time. And according to the United Nations Office for Drugs and Crime, um, South Asia is one of the global um, places where human trafficking happens the most. So this is the situation in India right now. The majority of those who are trafficked are between the ages of 9 and 13. They are, the majority are girls, and some of the 
Others are transgender folk because they are thrown out from their families and victimized for being transgender. Lesbian and gay kids are also treated very badly. And, you know, the people who are trafficked are normally from poor and low caste families. Um, they have uh, literally they are cut off from access to their basic needs like food and housing and um Shelter and education is always a big concern for such people. Parents don't have jobs. Uh, children are the first resource in poverty. And the sex predators know that. So they go into these caste ghettos asking the father to sell his daughter for 10,000 rupees, 20,000 rupees, which is like 200, 300 dollars. And the father, because he cannot stand up to the traffickers, uh, because he just doesn't have the legal protection or the wherewithal. He lets his daughter go. And the child is then taken across, um, you know, from one city to another, from one state to another, and locked up in a brothel for five years, um, raped by 10 or 15 men every night. And each man just pays as little as 30 cents. The youngest I have met is a little girl in a brothel who was just seven years old. Such an important organization, Apne Ap and Ruchira Gupta. Ruchira is my guest today. This is a difficult topic, right? I know that this is something that you've dedicated your life to, and I'm so thankful that you have, have done so to thwart these things and, and work to stop these things. It'll be the, just the sheer ugliness of what you're describing is shocking. When you share these statistics and you share these facts about what's really happening, what life is really like for the victims of sex trafficking, when you share the, the truth about what they face, do you find that people find it unbelievable or hard to believe? Are they shocked? Yes, because nobody can imagine this kind of uh, exploitation of one human being by another. You know, I used to be a journalist, Adam, and I was walking through the hills of Nepal. Um, I'm talking about like 20 years ago when I came across uh, villages with missing girls and I began to follow the trail and I found that a smooth supply chain existed from these villages to the brothels of Bombay. There was the poor and starving father who was a farmer. There was the local village procurer who would give this farmer some money, say he would get his daughter a job in the big city. Then there were the transporters, the corrupt border guards who would let the girls across the border. On the other side were these lodge keepers who would lock up these girls for two or three days and beat her, starve her, till her spirit was completely subjugated. And then uh, put her on trains and buses. There were these transporters who would take her to the brothels of Bombay, Calcutta, Delhi. And then there were the pimps and the brothel managers who would buy these girls for, you know, as I told you, $200, $300. And then the managers would lock up these girls in these rooms, offering them for the customers or clients, as they call them. And behind that were the um, landlords, the moneylenders, the financiers and the organized criminal networks running this. And it was running smoothly, like, you know, hundreds and thousands of girls being taken across from different parts of India, from Nepal, from Bangladesh to these brothels. And I, as someone who was a seasoned journalist, was shocked that, uh, you know, uh, this kind of thing, sex trafficking, human trafficking existed in my country, in my lifetime, in my generation. I used to think it was 19th century in the past, you know, the transatlantic uh, slave trade. But this was in plain sight and yet invisible. 
my mother's home is in Bombay. I grew up in Calcutta. Both places have the biggest brothel districts in the country. But going to school and college, I didn't know about it. I had sort of shut it out uh, psychologically that this existed till I went to a different country, Nepal, and I saw uh, villages with missing girls. My guest today, Ruchira Gupta, is the founder and the president at Apne Ap. And you can look them up online at apneap.org. And we'll have more information as the program continues. I'll be putting the website on the screen for those of you that are watching the video version. We're talking about a subject that is hard to talk about. I mean, it, this is not a pleasant topic, um, but and yet it is so very important. And as Ruchira was just sharing, it's, she described the situation in India. You said something I thought was interesting and sad. It was, um, I think you said it, you know, you're sort of describing something here that's hidden, but also in plain sight. How do you work? What does Apne Ap do to help stand against this terrible practice? When I saw this, I wanted to do more. And as a journalist, the first thing I did was tell the story. So I ended up making a documentary on the subject um, called The Selling of Innocence. And um, I won an Emmy for Outstanding Investigative Journalism for it. And then I leveraged the documentary uh, not to do more journalism, but to make a difference. And I decided to go back to the women who had told their stories in my documentary and ask them what they wanted. And they said they wanted to change the fate of their daughters. They said, please save our daughters from prostitution. We want them to get an education and jobs. So Apneyap's business plan really became whatever the business, uh, whatever the women were saying. And when I sat on a bed in the brothels of Bombay with them, they said they had four dreams. And their first dream was that they wanted a school for their children. Their second dream was that they wanted a job in an office for themselves, which meant fixed monthly income and uh, dignity in treatment and fixed working hours, because in a brothel, anyone can walk in any time, day or night. And the third thing they wanted was um, they wanted uh, a room of their own. They did not want to live in a brothel where customers were coming in any time, where their children were playing on the floor while they were servicing the clients. Um, and the fourth thing they wanted was that they, wa they said those who have bought us and sold us, they should be punished. They brokered away our dreams. So the dreams became our business plan. And I rented a room and uh, I hired a teacher and started educating the kids. When the kids were ready for school, um, the women said, oh, the principal is objecting that he won't admit children or prostitutes. So I said, let's form a circle and collectively bargain with him. And we did. And the principal relented. And, uh, you know, fast forward, those children have not just finished school, but they've graduated from college and they have jobs one is a manager in a Domino's pizza parlor. Another is, um, uh, you know, an animation artist. Some have graduated from Bard College in America. And they have got their mothers out of the brothels uh, living with them. The ones, uh, the mothers who are alive, because most of the mothers have passed away from HIV AIDS complications. But Apneyap's dreams are their dreams. And so we, they are alive in that sense. 
and uh, we have um, you know magnified their dreams many times over from the 22 first women so now we have supported more than 20000 women across the country and we have educated more than a thousand children through school and college and girls who have jobs for the first time ever in three or four generations in their family and this is really a breakthrough for us mm-hmm. because some of the red light areas are no longer red light areas and these kids are feisty they are smart they are uh, facing the world they are changing their own lives and the mothers lives and everything around them so that is one of the main things that apne aap does is start with community classrooms and sponsor the children in boarding schools to get out of the cycle of prostitution the other thing we do is uh, you know we help the women also exit the prostitution system by linking them to uh, bank accounts and uh, skill development and then helping them start small businesses uh, you know like tea shops and uh, vegetable vendor vendoring or catering and things like that so they become daily wage earners uh, and transition out of the prostitution system we also link them to low cost housing and uh, low cost food which the government has um, already allocated for poor people in india but these women and children don't know how to access it so we help them get government ids and to access this one of the few things that i also do is make sure the children love their bodies so we use a lot of uh, ways in getting the women and girls to love their bodies again and that is through dance through uh, kung fu through karate some of them have won gold medals some of the kids and uh, also through open mic sessions sharing their stories and talking to each other making movies uh, writing articles and that has made them strong advocates for themselves against injustice this is the edge of adventure and today we're focusing on an organization called apne aap that works in india the founder and president of this wonderful organization is my guest today ruchira gupta as she is sharing about the organization and Ruchira I I'm going to just say here that I hear in your voice in your countenance I hear hope is is it hard to have hope when the challenges are so devastating and the darkness is so evil where does this hope come from because I hear it I hear it in your voice the hope comes from the successes of the little girls and when i see the change in them and i've met them like 10 years ago 20 years ago and i've been doing this for a long time because i never give up i'm stubborn by nature and i'm tenacious and i will go on and on if i believe in something so i have met these girls 10 years ago 15 years ago and i've seen their circumstances i've seen them in mud huts i've seen them in rooms which are brothels where the mothers have put the beds on bricks so that there's enough room for the child to sleep on under the bed while she's on the bed with a customer and i've seen these girls become educated smart uh, uh, you know standing on their own two feet uh, renting apartments uh, working as managers in companies and helping their mothers so if they can change coming out of those circumstances and there are enough kind people in the world who have helped them do it um and it wasn't just me 
we have community mobilizers we have teachers we have doctors we have lawyers apne aap has trustees uh, uh we have advisors who raise funds you know we have accountants even they perform a vital uh, task uh we have project managers who write out reports and then every year i get interns from different colleges who come and just provide service uh, you know they do the most tedious jobs like data entry on computers or photocopying but every bit combines to help this girl get into school and stay in school and so i have faith not just in the girl changing because i have seen the change but i have faith because you know such a community happened around me to create this change people were so kind and um you know there's a saying that gloria steinem always uses um and that is that we are linked not ranked and in my own work i have seen this thing about if you can create that chain of people who are linked then there can be change so that's why i have hope you know because i have seen the change and i've seen enough people who come and help me to make the change ruchira covid 19 i hate to bring it up because we're all so weary we're so weary of the toll that it is taken on our loved ones and our countries and all the many ways that this terrible virus has caused complications but as i think about your valuable work is so vital your work there in india and i also hear this news coming out of india especially in the last few weeks where regarding covid in india the news has been very very bad how has this affected you guys and has it at all changed where your focus is or maybe i should say it has it altered the way you help the victims of sex trafficking covid-19 has been devastating our women and our children were making progress we were getting them into schools they were graduating they began to have goals and imagination that they would finish college get a job and stand on their own two feet the same thing with the women uh, we were helping the women transition out of prostitution by helping them become daily wage earners and start small businesses with covid uh, the first thing which happened was a curfew like lockdown and that meant that the women who were daily wage earners could no longer do anything they could not sell tea they could not sell vegetables they could not uh, go out um, of their homes at all and they were trapped inside red light areas sometimes in just one room with no windows and uh, the police were on the prowl outside uh, not letting anyone out of their homes and the children were back from school so um they were back in the red light area and sometimes it was 11 people in a room and the women had no income the few savings and i began to get sos messages within 3 or 4 days of the prime minister announcing the lockdown saying didi we are starving didi we have nothing to eat can you do something uh, didi i have sown, sold my last gold chain or even even more terrible messages saying that you know so and so has come to me and said that since your daughter is back from school and you don't have food why don't you let her make a sex video and in return i will give you food so i was horrified and the first message i got was a whatsapp message from a 15 year old girl I, that i had been sponsoring through school 
and she came back to her mother in the red light area with her younger sister and she sent me this message my heart broke i immediately put um, you know i got a curfew pass from the government i put 500 cooked meals in the back of my car and somehow drove through the police barricades to that girl and that is when i felt that i had lost hope for a second because when i reached there there were 2000 people standing in line and i had food for just 500 the community mobilizer helped me get the food out and i returned and i was thinking what am i going to do how is this possible and i was trapped alone in an apartment in delhi because i was about to fly back to new york that time and um, i realized i can't fly back and i have to do something all logistics and supply chains had broken even my staff members were not coming to work and yet i was getting these desperate messages on whatsapp so then i thought okay whatsapp is a tool so i'm going to use this uh, to pull in all the people who want to help me or have helped me or those who i think can help me and i created virtual whatsapp groups of factory owners of transporters of merchants of shopkeepers uh, anybody i knew anywhere in the in india students you know who had interned with me in the past professors journalists and uh, of course community mobilizers who were living inside the brothel uh, or in the red light districts many of them who were um, survivors of prostitution themselves and also ngo leaders and through these groups then i mobilized rice and i'm not talking about like a bag of rice a truck of rice and then when the factory owner would say he would give me three trucks of rice or sugar i would say can you give me a truck too and then from the truck i would then negotiate with the truck driver that you know i'm giving you money to drive so far but there are three other stops along the way can you also drop the food there and uh, there was something called the national disaster relief force uh, which are people who work um, to solve accidents on the highway or if there's a landslide in the mountains they go there i pulled them in and they said they would help me store the food in the in their warehouses and also divide up the food into bags so very quickly from the cooked meals because i realized the cooked meals are just for one meal and i can't keep going back again and again i shifted to creating a uh, grocery kits you know i call them ration kits dry ration kits and each dry ration kit had food for like 100 meals um which the women could keep and cook uh, over the month so there was rice and dal and cooking oil and potatoes and spices and vegetables and uh, i thought i would do that for 100 days for 10000 women and children at the end of it i'm still doing it like many 100 days have gone and i've scaled up and scaled up and scaled up uh, created a human chain or many human chains of people who are linked not ranked uh, and um, you know reach more than 50000 women and girls and i'm still giving out the food now as we gave out the food we realized that just food is not enough so i also began to give um, sanitary pads i've given like hundreds and thousands of sanitary pads because i realized women don't have access to it the shops are closed the factories are closed uh, they can't step out of the red light areas or the refugee um, camps or the migrant women slums then i added in essential medicines like now i've done that in the second wave of covid where people are dying like flies so i put in essential medicines sanitizers um 
our team members are now also through this human chain doing referrals to hospitals uh, we are doing referrals to vaccination providing transport if somebody cannot step out of the red light area to go and get a vaccine and we are doing this all over the country and uh, this entire year i was on the road in india and of course i ended up getting covid myself uh, in august but i got cured and i think um, you know the reason i got cured was that i had um, you know medicines and i was awake. i had a roof over my head i had proper nutrition i had fresh air and i was able to get out it out of it but there are many many people in india who have low immunity because they are already malnourished they hardly have any fresh air they are in tight rooms in slums or red light areas you know they don't even have medicines like paracetamol let alone vitamins and things like that so i'm making sure they get all of this and um, we called our food drive 1 million meals of course we have now distributed more than 5 million meals and counting still counting and uh, we went to the remotest areas um, you know to little boys who had to cycle back 1400 kilometers uh, with their um, father Uh, because his back was broken and he lost his job and he was evicted from his home so the boy cycles back with his father to his village so that he has a roof over his head and we managed to reach that village and get food we distributed food on railway platforms to women who were daily wage earners and came back to the village because their landlords had evicted them and we just did not stop i was on the highway i was in the car i was um, in trucks uh, you know and i was up and down the country i traveled to 13 cities to make sure uh, that uh, you know i could connect the factory owner to the 13 year old in the brothel through the human chain i was creating this is the edge of adventure my name is adam asher my guest today is ruchira gupta who is joining us from Apne Up. We're getting to know that organization today, the work that they do in India to help prevent sex trafficking and then also to help the victims of sex trafficking to start their lives anew, to exit that terrible practice and find a new life with the kind of hope that Ruchira has been telling us about. Okay now Ruchira we we've established that you're a caring person okay we've established that you're stubborn and those are your words not mine you said that uh I think you're also innovative as I listen to the ways you thought you know you identified problems and then you thought of solutions and then you went after it right but you're also creative all right so let's talk about your creative side how does a person how does you, you know when you care about these young ladies and these these children really and you want to help educate them and you want to help prevent them from falling victim to this horrible practice how do you do that what's what is a creative way that you and your team have come up with to help educate these young ladies these young kids i mean many times we're we're really talking about children Yes and uh, you know so what I do is I try to mix up art uh, and politics so that I can get into uh, the subconscious of the girl who is being groomed to believe that she has to prostitute herself as a duty to her family and so I've used songs uh, where I teach her about patriarchy I've uh, used poetry writing classes and there have been people who've flown all the way from America college professors 
famous poets who've held poetry workshops with the kids. I've used movies. Um, you know, I was a documentary maker myself, but more recently, a movie called Love Sonia was made based on the work of Apnea with Frida Pinto from Slumdog Millionaire. This year, I wrote a comic uh, called Priya Shakti, uh, Priya and the Wolves. And basically, uh, the comic is based on Red Riding Hood. Um, and Priya is helping a little girl deal with the wolves during the COVID pandemic uh, when she's being preyed upon by traffickers as she's migrating home with her mother and she wants food from some truck drivers. And those truck drivers are like wolves telling her, come to the red light area, sell yourself and you'll never have to wear a mask or uh, you know worry about food. And this girl is about to trust them and Priya, a feminist superhero who rides a tiger and the tiger is called Sahas or Courage flies down from the sky and warns the girl about what's going on. And that is a conversation piece. Ruchira, I know that it's your objective and it's one of the principles of apnea to keep the victims and the survivors at the center of the change that you are working to create and to keep going. How do you do that? How do you keep them at the center? I talk to them and I listen to them. So Apniyap is based on something called a mandala. A mandala it means a circle. And Apniyap begins by forming circles of women known as Apniyap Mahila Mandals and of girls known as Apniyap Kishori Mandals. We sit in these circles, talk to each other and figure out what is needed and then make plans about what we are going to do every step of the way. Now, of course, uh, the circles are small enough for everyone to have a voice, but not big enough to be able to influence policy change. So what we do is that first there is that small circle, then all the circles are connected to each other. Sometimes we hold bigger rallies. Sometimes, uh, you know, I bring out a paper called Red Light Dispatch, which is uh, just a A4 size PDF document where the women write stories and our team members publish it there. Through that, uh, we make sure that survivors' needs are absolutely the center of what we do. You said something a few minutes ago, um, Ruchira, and I think it, you know you were making the point that one of the things that you have to do, you and your team, is you have to retrain what some of these uh, children might naturally assume. They might believe that they have an obligation to do these things in order to help their families and so on and so forth. And again, from from some of the information that as I've done some research on your organization, this concept, which is a simple concept, and it's one so many of us would, of course, automatically get behind. And yet, there are so many people in the world who don't agree with this. It's this concept that no human being belongs to another or should be or can be bought or sold. Are you finding that this is a concept that's hard to to go against? Yes, because, you know, the market has become the air we breathe and people believe that anyone can be bought, anything can be bought if you pay for it, even exploitation. And this concept has got so internalized even by victims 
that I remember once I did a survey in one of the red light areas that I work in. And I asked the women, I said, uh, do you face any violence? And they said, no. So I said, has anyone slapped you? They said, yes. I said, any fractures? They said, yes. Any murders? Yes. So and so was her head was chopped off and thrown into the bushes. So I said, but that is violence. They said, you know, but the man paid for her time. So they thought if he was paying for it, it wasn't violence. I heard that in India. And I spent a lot of time in New York uh, teaching at New York University. And again, when I talk to my students and all of that, they say if she took the money, if the man paid for um, sex, then where is the exploitation? So the definition of exploitation was based on the payment part, but not on the bodily harm that is caused by the work, by the action. You know, mm-hmm. in, and all the labor struggles all over the world were always defined by if any kind of work causes you bodily harm, then it would be considered exploitation. And prostitution is based on body invasion. There's no way we can legislate that away. And that has its own physical and mental health consequences come what way. It's not like sweatshop work where we can create more cleaning, better conditions, uh, working hours, minimum wages. You cannot take away body invasion. Ruchira, I know that you're also working through the organization Apneap. That organization and you are partnering with some other great organizations around the world. Do you want to give a couple of shout outs to some of them that are doing great work? Yes. Uh, so some of my favorite organizations are the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women, the Coalition to Abolish Prostitution. I love them. The Global Fund to End Modern Slavery. In India, uh, there are some amazing grassroots organizations which do beautiful work. There is the All India Women's Conference that I love, uh, which came out of India's freedom struggle. And uh, there is something called the Joint Women's Program, which works with prostitutes in uh, on GB Road. Um, there is, of course, uh, a fantastic organization called Samved, Shonlap, uh, And all of them have worked together and collaborated together to make sure um, that we are able to stand up to the traffickers. And we've had a lot of support from organizations and foundations like OSCE and another organization called the United Nations Office for Drugs and Crime, which actually helped to create a protocol, then became the gold standard for uh, countries to change their laws to. What is the kind of help that you guys need most. It's obvious, we, you know, we think about financial donations and I always encourage people if they, if they have a special connection, if, they, if they're listening to you and they're hearing about OpniOp and they think, you know what, that's an organization I'd like to get behind, then I encourage them to do that, to reach out to you guys, make contact, just support you guys any way they can, financially being one of them. Are there other ways that come to mind? I mean, what are, what are ways that a person out here in the rest of the world could show love to these precious people in India? There are four or five ways. Uh, One is, of course, as you said, donate. And the donations can be made on our website, apneap.org or onemillionmeals.org. And uh, the other way they could do is spread the word. So if they have social media handles, then just let people know about what's going on in India during the COVID crisis and that there are people who will never be able to recover their lives if we don't help them now. 
so do spread the message to reach out to apne aap and help if you can and if you have any kind of social media following the third is that we take interns and right now during covid times we are taking on online volunteers and interns they do research they do documentation they do social media they do advocacy um, report preparation fundraising for us and that is also hugely helpful for us and the fourth is that um, you know we are uh, trying to encourage people to write uh, to their uh, senators to make sure that during this covid crisis india gets the components of the vaccine that we need from america because america has certain components which india needs to manufacture more vaccines right now so that would be great this is the edge of adventure we have a great guest today ruchira gupta is the founder and president from apne app and you need to look him up the website is apneapp.org let me spell that out for you apne app is a p n e a a p.org and again if you're um you want to go to the website theedgeofadventure.com we're going to have this information on there as well you can track them down because you should because if this is something that has won your heart today i'd love for you to connect with them and let uh, ruchira know that you appreciate her work and her heart and the many many people i'm i don't even know i can tell by the organization and, and hearing her talk there's many many people uh both in the united states and probably in other countries around the world and then in india all of the many many people that are coming together to to help these to help these precious people and we're certainly glad that you have done so and that you continue to do so and to hear that sense of hope it's a contrast today we're talking about a very dark subject a very evil practice and and then to hear of of your hope and to hear it in your voice and for you to be able to tell these stories of of the women and the children that you've rescued through the years it's inspiring what do the people listening or watching today what do they need to hear from ruchira gupta founder and president at apniap don't think about what you can do do what you can the moment is not going to come back and what covid teaches us is that life is really fleeting so if you want to help someone do it now don't wait and giving only makes you receive ruchira gupta fantastic guest wonderful organization and again this is a a topic that uh wow it'd be better it'd be nice if we never had to talk about such things but we talk about them because they're important because these things are happening and thanks to people like Ruchira and her team at Apneap there are forces working against that kind of evil and I'm thankful for them so uh Ruchira thank you so much for your time today thank you for what you do all the best god bless you and we look forward to being in, in touch again in the near future thank you thank you adam it was wonderful talking to you My name is Adam Asher and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too, just look for the hashtag #theedgeofadventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is the Edge of Adventure. 
where we go beyond status quo. 